Welcome to another episode of Teen Gen Talks hosted by me, Melissa. And me, Desiree. Where the goal is to empower the youth of Glendale and connect youth to community resources, individuals, and organizations through interviews and discussions. And today we are joined by two special guests, Celine and Gia. They are the co-founders of the future-focused agency, 98. All born in the year 1998, hence the name, co-founders Celine and Gia, along with Bryant Lynn, started 98 shortly after graduating from Loyola Marymount University in May 2020. 98 creates collaborative relationships between Gen Zs and brands, driving our generation's voice to the forefront of digital marketing. As a company rooted in innovation, impact, diversity, and community, 98 strives to create a new generation of respectful yet resonant brands that work for consumers first. Their small but mighty team is driven by the hope of Gen Z and is focused on bringing Gen Z digital expertise to every brand that needs it. Today, 98 works with clients across all industries, including PepsiCo, Fabletics, Paul Frank, and IMVU, finding new ways to foster authentic conversations between brands and Gen Z. Don't forget to follow us on our social, on Instagram and Facebook at LAC. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe to our channel. And we post videos every Friday at 4.30 p.m. Thank you, Celine and Gia, for taking the time out of your day to talk with us. We have a lot to discuss. Awesome. We're so excited to be here. Um, so to start off the interview, I want to take it back to when you were at Loyola Marymount University. How did the friendship between, you know, all of you guys begin and form? Celine and I's friendship began literally the first day um, of college, first day of orientation. We had both never even stepped foot at LMU um, until that very first day. And we were put into the same orientation group and met through, uh, I think, a round of speed dating or some form of icebreaker. Um, So yeah, we instantly became friends. We ended up living in the same dorm in freshman year. Um, We were both majoring in marketing, so we had similar classes, um, and we both ended up joining a specialized two-year advertising program at LMU called the M School. Um, So we definitely developed a friendship very, very early on um, and kind of leaned on each other throughout the craziness of college. Um, We ended up having similar paths because of our major and because of the program. So really had similar experiences there um, within advertising. And then from there kind of ended up as colleagues and coworkers and fellow entrepreneurs. So uh, it's been a wild, how many years has it been, Celine? Six years, seven years? Six, I think. Yeah. (laughs) During the motivation and inspiration that you guys have had, how did you like create your own agency? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't think any of us who are the part of the co-founding six really had the idea that we wanted to start a company right then and there. Um, For perspective, we actually like sort of had this idea, um, you know, we graduated May 2020 um, during COVID, like the heart of COVID. Um, People were getting jobs 
you know, taken away, offers rescinded, et cetera. It was like such a tough job market. And I don't think any of us were really looking forward to graduating at that point um, without hope in sight. Um, one of our professors sent an email was like, oh, can't find a job, start your own agency. And um, so I think that was kind of the the catalyst to this idea. So when the first, when the six of us joined together to start 98, none of us really had the entrepreneurial like background or like, mm-hmm. yeah, like this is what we've been dreaming of for, you know, all of college. Like we wanted to start this. It was more of a like, this could be an interesting opportunity in a time where there isn't much opportunity elsewhere. And so, yeah, that kind of ran with it. We ran with it. And then we were just motivated because we had a really exciting first pitch opportunity with a mentor and that just like really built um, momentum there. And um, touching back upon like friendship wise, how did you both know that, okay, this is a group of people I could trust and go beyond and create a business, you know, because sometimes you don't want to mix friendship and business, but yeah, what's your, I guess, take on that? In all honesty, we didn't know um, if that group was going to be like the best group to start a business with. Um, We kind of all just dove in head first. Um, I think the six of us had different relationships with one another. Some of us were closer than others. We were never a group of six before starting 98. Like that group was never its own thing before 98. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had all been a part of that two-year program called the M School. And so we, we've kind of known each other for two years. Maybe have worked with one another lightly for school projects, but have never um, had to work on something this big, like starting a business together. So we didn't know if it was going to work out. And two years later from six, we're down to three. Um, So through the years, we kind of realized like startup isn't for everyone. Entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. isn't for everyone. And some of the founders realized that and uh, kind of stepped away from 98. So yeah, having to navigate kind of like the relationship between us as friends and then fellow classmates and then coworkers and then co-founders and business partners was definitely interesting going off a little bit about that but like you know like for example if you guys disagree on a problem how do you guys work it out yeah I feel like that's always a challenge like whether you're friends or not friends that's always a struggle I think like when we were six there was a lot of voices on at the table um and we tried our best to hear everyone out but at some point like that number does feel a little large and it was an even number. So it wasn't even like a, a vote system that could really like, you know, make it happen. So I think the odd numbers were favorable. Um, but I think in general, like even now down to three, like we still have disagreements as, you know, owners. Um, I, I think it's just about listening to what other people have to say. Um, and then there are points where majority does win, That you know, like we have to make decisions and they have to come down to that. But that being said, I think we take the time to listen to everyone and that has swayed decisions. Most recently, it has swayed a very big decision. Um, so I think that that's really how we go about it. It's just talking, listening, and then putting it to a vote. Um, for both of you on the business side of it all, what was the hardest part you, you all had to face when creating 98? I think one of the hardest parts was just gaining credibility. It doesn't help that we were like 21 with no entrepreneurial experience when we started this. Um, We were very lucky that 
LMU was very supportive of our venture and people in the LMU community were eager to support and, you know, trust us instantly. Um, but beyond the LMU bubble, it was definitely really challenging to win new business, get new clients, et cetera. Yeah, I think that was kind of the biggest struggle was to prove ourselves that we weren't just, quote, kids. We had talent. We knew what we were doing, even though we may not always know were the experts in it. And then just like wanting to offer competitive rates, but without, you know, overworking ourselves or undercutting our, you know, our roles and, and what we do. So um, in the beginning, how did you all like divide your work? And like, if you could also tell us how each of your roles are in the company. So in the very, very beginning, before 98 was even called 98, Celine mentioned this earlier, we had our first pitch um, as a group of six. And it was from our professor who connected us. We were pitching to a new yogurt brand and literally to the ex-CEO of Sabra. So it was a really, really big deal. We had maybe like one week or less to pull that together. Um, So that was the first time that we had ever worked together as a team. And we were kind of just thrown into it. So we saw where people you know, shined through their leadership skills or their creative skills or their research skills. Um, And from there, we could kind of tell what people's strengths and weaknesses are and what lanes they could take. But there was a lot of workshopping, I think, in the beginning among the six co-founders. We did a whole session where, you know, everyone wrote down what they wanted to do, what they're skilled at doing and what they like doing within the team. Um, and we did that for everyone as well. So you do it for yourself and you, you do it for like how you think, how well you think the other people are doing as well. Um, and then you kind of marry the two concepts to find your team dynamic. It's interesting too, because, you know, as people leave the company and as we hire new people, the dynamics shift and we have to kind of switch the hats around based on the new strengths and weaknesses of the team. So um, just because we pick one lane at one point in time doesn't mean that that's what it's going to be forever. We are super like malleable and flexible as a startup and as a small company. In terms of our current roles, so beyond being a co-founder at 98, I am the chief strategy officer, which sounds super fancy, but um, basically I lead client and Gen Z acquisition efforts. So Um, doing new business pitches, really just fueling our lead generation just so that we can uh, stay profitable as a company. Um, And client side, I do account management strategy and influencer management. On my end, um, yeah, co-founder as well. CEO is the official title, kind of scary even to me but I pretty much lead all operations. So dealing with HR, payroll, um, planning events, keeping people happy is what I like to call it, being people's moms. Um, And then also the financial aspect. So um, light bookkeeping, budgeting, um, forecasting, all of that fun stuff. And then on the client side, I also lead projects and accounts. Um, So really being that liaison for communication, as well as more, most recently, influencer marketing management. And Celine, you, you touched upon this a little bit about, you know, gaining that credibility, but how did you all brand yourself, 
yourself and 98 to help people know about the agency. Um, Gia, if you want to start. So I guess it's all about the narrative that you put out for yourself that will make you stand out. So in the beginning, back in 2020, our narrative was, um, you know, pandemic born company starting by like recent college graduates. So um, we were really tapping into like, we began in COVID, we started um, as entrepreneurs, as like literally college graduates and to kind of show, I guess the entrepreneurial spirit of Gen Z and how we're not afraid to do things differently. Um, But a few years down the line, sort of like 2021, everyone's kind of tired of hearing the pandemic story um, because everybody's just tired of the pandemic in general. And so, you know, we can't, we couldn't always be that pandemic recent college graduate founded company. So we kind of had to pivot not only our story, but our agency and offerings as a whole. Um, So we went from being a content creation agency to um, being more of a Gen Z consultancy and more about our generational insights and generational movements and kind of fueling the mission of Gen Z within the brand marketing and advertising world. So that's kind of, I think the important part is knowing how to pivot, not just your story, but um, even like who you are as an agency and what you're offering and making sure that you deliver on that. So um, because we are more of that Gen Z consulting kind of story right now, Mm -hmm. we had to, or as a part of the pivot, we developed what we call the Koi Pond. And it's basically a network or a community of around 300 Gen Z's right now. And that's who we tap into for kind of insights beyond our own personal experiences as an agency. So we realized that, you know, it's not enough to claim ourselves as Gen Z experts just because we ourselves are Gen Z. Our generation is so like diverse Um, probably the most diverse generation in history. So um, we created the Koi Pond to better represent our generation because we couldn't accurately do that just alone ourselves. Okay, so for um, any teen or young adult listening, what advice would you give them on branding yourself? Yeah, I think like we all really had to like learn this one along the way. Um, I would say like an advice is to just like be confident and explore who you are. Um, None of us got to our C-suite titles or even our roles by just sticking in one lane. It was an explorative moment for us to be like, what am I actually good at? Like, what do I value in life? Um, Do my values and my career roles like merge and all of that? So I think that's like really important. If you don't know yourself, how would other people know you? Um, so I, I think like that's really one key factor on starting to brand yourself um, is just figuring out who you want to be personally, professionally. Do they overlap at all um, and what that might look like to the public? And during this whole journey, what is something each of you have learned throughout this whole process that has stuck with you? Um, Celine, if you want to start. Oh, that's a tough one. I feel like I've learned a lot um, on this journey. Um, My biggest takeaway, I think, just from the last two years is that you can plan life, but at some point, like, life will just go. Um, And it's whether you want to go on that ride or not. 
Um, so some context, I studied dance in college and I wanted to dance since I was a little girl and, and like, this was just completely not in my path at all, but I took this opportunity and ran with it. And I feel like I've learned a lot. There's a lot of growth. Um, one as a business leader, two as like a, just a general, you know, Gen Z leader and then three of myself. Um, so I think that's just kind of like something I've learned is that life will throw a bunch of different things at you you can see them as obstacles or you can see them as an opportunity to just sort of, you know, change things up, try something new and you'll never know what you get out of it. Um, and I, I just, I think it's so fun to get to work with young people every day. I think for me, it's that you can literally do whatever you want to do. And I know that sounds like easier said than done, but it's, it's true. Like, like Celine said, you know, People say that you have to do things a certain way, you know, finish high school, go to college, finish college, get an internship, finish your internship, get a job, um, and then get promoted in your job and, you know, climb the ladder. And that's kind of like the general path. Um, But I think, and I think a lot of Gen Zs are seeing this as well as that it's never linear and you can literally take ownership of what you want that path to be while still being flexible to what life throws at you, like what Celine was saying. So, (laughs) but yeah, you can definitely, it is in your power to define what your career and future looks like. So what does a typical day look like for you both working at 98? It's always different every day, every week. We have some busier weeks, some more chill weeks, but we are a remote company. So we do a lot of Zooms with our team to get our collaborative brainstorms in. Um, But we balance that with, you know, just blocks of personal work time. Um, Celine and I actually don't live in LA most of the year. So um, personally, I live in Manila, Philippines, two thirds of the year. And I'm in LA the other third just to... um, be in person with a team. Um, so yeah, when I, when I'm in Manila, I work from 6am to 2pm and then I have the whole afternoon to do whatever I want. Usually it's golf. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a mixture of like client work, internal 98 work, zoom meetings, but also personal work time. And we kind of work from everywhere because we are remote. And 98 has worked with clients like PepsiCo, Fabletics, and Paul Frank, to name a few. What does that process look like when a client reaches out to you or you reaching out to a client? This is definitely my forte. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So normally when a client reaches out to us, um, we do an introductory call just to get to know them better. You know, what are they looking for? What are their marketing needs? Um, is this a fit basically between 98 and the potential client? Um, once we gather all that information, um, we typically bring it to the team. So here's this company, here's what they need, here are their competitors, um, here's some things that they want to see from us. We do a lot of you know, in-depth research to understand the, um, I guess, industry that they're in. So their consumers, their competitors, like what are they doing? What's happening in culture? Um, and then we use that to kind of develop ideas and brainstorm together on what strategies we want to create for them. 
Um, from there, we create a pitch deck and basically make all of our ideas look really pretty. Um, then we set up that formal pitch with a client. It's usually an hour long um, over Zoom. They ask questions, they tell us what they liked or didn't like from the pitch. And then from there, it's, it's more of the legal talk. So mm. you formulate contracts, you talk money, then you get it signed. It's, it's a slightly different process for each client and it takes anywhere between like a month to like six months sometimes. So it's in, in marketing and advertising and a service like ours, it's really hard to predict, but mm -hmm. that's kind of what it looks like to win a client. So has there been a time when we didn't take on a client because it just didn't feel right or it didn't align with 98's mission? Yes, I think, you know, there's a point like, or in the first year, you are trying to make money, you're hustling, you were working for much lower pay than you expected and all of that. And I think there was a pivotal mo moment at um, 98 where we were like, why are we working with some of the people we do? Like, this doesn't feel right. We don't ever go into a client conversation feeling happy or like we're nervous, we're scared. And that really shouldn't be the relationship um, you want with your clients. Um, but it was a moment of survival type of thing. Um, so I think recently we've been a little bit more selective of who we work with. Um, there are certain people that or certain industries that we're like, we're not even going to venture in there. We've had conversations about it internally. We've made decisions that that's just not something that we would cross the line for. And yeah, so I think like we are more conscious about who we work for, who we work with. And at any point in like a new biz process, like if it doesn't feel right to one of us, we'll definitely have a conversation about it before moving forward. And um, what is something something that each of you do that helps you maintain motivation to create and help a client? Um, and if you guys have ever experienced burned out, uh, what have you done to like kind of get out of that? I would say like on this team, I have probably the least design skills, so I'm not great for the content creation industry. That being said, like my creative outlet has always been dance um, and like fitness and all of that stuff. So that really helps me clear my mind. I was literally thinking about it this week. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so tired. And someone pointed out, oh, you haven't like gone to like a workout class this week. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And that's like, it, that's when like the rhythm is off. So I think finding something that helps you stay focused, something that you enjoy that is completely separate from work has been really, really helpful for me personally. And yeah, like that little reminder that like I didn't dance or go to a workout class this week. I was like, yeah, that's, that's really why I feel so funky and off. Um, and I also just like those activities that don't involve screen time. So whatever you can do to not be on a screen again is my way of staying sane. I think one of the biggest things that I've learned in the past two years as like an entrepreneur is that it's okay to not be giving it 150% every single day. I think in the beginning, it's like hustle, hustle, hustle. And we were working literally through the night and that literally like led to such bad burnout personally for me. Um, I think around April, May last year, like that was one of the worst burnouts I've ever felt. And this is something that the team always tells me, like, it's okay to slow down. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of pressure as an entrepreneur to 
grow and scale and like become successful overnight and that's just not gonna happen and that's okay um like slow growth is still growth so um yeah just being okay and and having a mindset that like it's okay to rest and not give it 150 percent every single day and give yourself room to breathe I think is what helps me stay motivated when it comes to burnout I think similar to what Celine said just finding creative outlets beyond uh work and creativity can literally mean like so many different things so it doesn't necessarily mean having to design something like even just like taking a pottery class or taking a dance class or going to the beach, um, just finding that creative energy somewhere else beyond the screen, I think is super important. And um, this year, 98 won the Web Excellence Award. Can you talk about the IMBU fashion TikTok campaign that 98 did a little bit? Yeah, that was um, one of the most fun campaigns that we've done as an agency. Um, I led that account and project. So basically IMVU is a social metaverse app. So think like Facebook meets Sims. You have your own avatar and you kind of meet people on their different chat rooms. Um, and they were really popular, I want to say in like 2008, but we're kind of struggling to become relevant um, in like today's day and age. And their main niche was gamers. So um, they kind of wanted to expand their audience as well. And so we worked with them to really, like I said, expand their audience, um, get reach beyond gamers, just be seen as more of a cool app that people would want to download and engage with and use in their free time. So we ended up doing, I want to say, four TikTok uh, influencer campaigns over the span of about nine months. Um, we specifically focused on the fashion niche because that's probably one of the largest communities on TikTok that has like really dedicated um, following. And yeah, we, we created seasonal campaigns, one for like summer, the summertime, the fall, Halloween, uh, winter, um, because fashion is seasonal and the trends are always changing. So we thought that was a really great way to show off kind of like the versatility and flexibility of fashion on IMVU. So yeah, it was really creatively driven. We actually got really good metrics and numbers from it. I think over 700,000 impressions. Um, so yeah. Um, and you, you guys have touched upon like the various services that you offer to your clients, like branding, social media management, Gen Z consulting, and influencer marketing. Is there one that you guys enjoy doing more? Um, Celine, if you could start. Yeah, I think, well, we like them all for different reasons, which is why we obviously offer them as services. I think um, the trajectory that 98 is hoping to go as a company would be to lean more into Gen Z consulting. I think everyone has a real passion for understanding and learning about this generation even more every day. And it, it like changes literally week by week. Um, so I think that's really a big 
passion of all of ours is be able to work with larger brands and and bring Gen Z voices to them and actually create content that you know resonates and emulates what Gen Z is all about. So I think in that sense, it's all tied between the consulting then to the social media because we want our research efforts to translate to content efforts and then influencers is kind of a way to get brands out there right now. So just it's all a mosh posh, but I would say Gen Z consulting is um, a really big focus and the launch pad for us. Um, personally, I love working on influencer projects. Sometimes it drives me crazy, but I think there's so much fun getting to work with, um, you know, creative people again and content creators and, and yeah, like sharing, you know, we take on brands that we like to work with and we hope that, you know, influencers do too. So I think that's really fun for us. Overall, what continues to be your favorite part of um, working with 98? And um, let's start with you, Gia. I guess like working with a like-minded team with a shared vision. Like I mentioned earlier, our team is always changing and evolving. Um, and even 98 itself is always changing and evolving with Gen Z. And I feel like that is something that is so relevant and personal to me as a human being and as a Gen Z or myself. Um, so I think just the mission of it, the relevancy of it, um, and how how much of it evolves and changes um, with our generation. On that note, like <laughs> similarly to Gia, like the like-minded people is really important. And I think for me personally, I love working with interns. Um, I'm just constantly amazed by like how much talent young people have. I, I sound so old when I say young people, but like just the like late teens, early, early, early twenties, like they are so talented. And I think like, you know, when we first started 98, like we said, people viewed us as kids um, and whatnot. And I think interns, our interns especially, um, really prove to the world that you can be in college or you don't need to be in college and you can still have talent and the ability to work hard and produce good work. And so I personally really love working with interns and, and getting to collaborate and learn from them as well. So before we end, we're gonna have some rapid fire questions. Um, so the first question is, what is your favorite color? Mine is periwinkle. Mine's pink. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your 18-year-old self? Stop worrying. It all works out. I would say don't put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> cynical, but I, yeah, I think that life just has so much to offer. If you could have three people dead or alive for dinner guests, who would they be? I would have, and this is such a weird mix, but it makes sense to me. Um, first, I would have Gordon Ramsay as both the one cooking for us and at the dinner table for just like comedic relief. Um, then I would have Hugh Jackman because I'm literally obsessed with him. I think he's like the most talented man in Hollywood. And then I would have Taylor Swift because I'm also obsessed with her. I'm like Swifty all the way and I memorize all of her songs and I feel like we would just have deep conversations. So th those are the three that I would have dinner with. I think mine would be Derek Huff. Um, he's the guy from Dancing with the Stars. I'm obsessed with him. 
My other one would be David Beckham. I've had a crush on him since I was a little girl. He's still my celebrity <laughs> crush to this day. A third one? I was going to go deep. I was going to say I'll invite Gia. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love that. I love so I get that. two dinner parties. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So what is the song that you have on repeat currently? I'm a music gal, but I'm not like a picky music gal. Um, my go-to like playlist or album is always ABBA. Um, that's kind of my first introduction to English as a language and just pop <laughs> culture. Um, so they hold a very, very special place in my heart. Um, current song on repeat is Hush by the Marias, but it's the Still Woozy remix. I love the Marias. Sam, so good. I know. <laughs> um, what do you want your legacy to be? Like I'm an avid storyteller. That's kind of just like what I feel like I was put on this earth to do. And I think everyone has stories to tell. Um, it's just a matter of how you want to do it. Um, for a long time, dance was that outlet. Writing has become that outlet. Even advertising in some capacity is a storytelling outlet. Um, so I'm really passionate about just like the intersection of like life, culture, and just like the arts in general. So I think that would be what I want my legacy to be just like, like living life to the fullest, um, and then being able to tell stories, um, till the rest of time, essentially, like never losing the touch of how to tell stories and memories and all of that. I, I, there's this word, um, in Greek called Meraki. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's this phenomenon of kind of leaving a little bit, a little piece of yourself in everything that you do. And I feel like that's something that I always try to embody, whether it's, you know, school or being an entrepreneur and work, or even just hanging out with a friend. Like I always want to give a little piece of myself in every community that I'm a part of and any, any person that I meet and in anything that I do. Um, so yeah, just having that impact in whatever way that I can in the communities that I can um, and in the people that I interact with. So what is a book that you have read recently or are currently reading that you would recommend? Um, I'm currently reading See No Stranger. Um, it's a memoir by Valerie Carr. I probably butchered that name. Um, yeah. I, I'm in the middle of it, but it's basically about how we can come together um, like as individuals and as a community at a time where the world is falling apart. Um, so she talks about her experiences um, in the 9-11 world. I'll share two, um, professional and personal book. Um, professionally, it's actually one of our clients' books who... I feel like I've gotten like a really good bond with in terms of like his vision and values. Um, the book is called Legacy in the Making, um, authored by Lucas Conley and Marcus Miller, Mark, Marcus, Mark Miller, sorry. Um, and li literally the question you were talking about, Desiree, earlier, like it's all about building lasting legacies for brands and leaders. Um, so it involves case studies from, you know, some of the brands that have you know, been around the longest or who've been able to shift and evolve with time. And I think it's a really good book for any young leader or any entrepreneur wannabe. And just like people in the brand and marketing space in general, it's, it's, 
the stories, the narration and the storytelling aspect of it makes it feel not like a textbook, which is nice. And then on the personal level, um, this is not a book that I read recently, but it's a book that I will always reference for the rest of my life. And it's called When Breath Becomes Air um, by Paul Kalanthi. I think that's his last name. Don't quote me, though. But it's about a surgeon who like contemplates life and death. Um, he's always the one operating and suddenly he's on the table now and someone's operating on him. And it's 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 just this juxtaposition between like, you know, you're always the one who's saving the life and all of a sudden like you got to trust someone else to do it. And it's almost a memoir. Um, and it sounds so grim the way I just explained it, but I swear there's bits and bobs of light and just like makes you really, really think um, in it. And I, I love books that, you know, make you pause and think about things and like every sentence feels like a quote. So yeah, it, it's one that I hold dearly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Selena and Gia. We learned a lot about you. Thank you for taking your time out of your day to sit down with us and talk. Can you let everyone at home know about any upcoming projects and where they could connect with you? Yeah. So upcoming projects wise, um, we're definitely moving towards working with companies in more of like the tech space, um, just as, you know, Web3 and the metaverse become more relevant. Uh, and as you know, Gen Z continues to grow the gaming industry, that's uh, something that we're definitely looking more into. Did you want to add anything to that, Celine? No, I think you know we're we're pretty open to many different industries. I think this is one we are actively looking towards, but um, catch us working on many different things. Um, and then in terms of where to connect with us, all our social media, um, our handle is ninety eight like type it out the numbers type it out 98 LA um that'll oh my god 98 the letters um yeah so 98 LA um and also the koi pond like Gia mentioned earlier it's our growing network of Gen Z's so if you are a 1996 baby all the way to 2012 baby we want you to sign up join the koi pond um we love talking to Gen Z's basically around the world um we have paid opportunities for focus groups, interviews, um, surveys, you name it. Um, and the way to join, you can join through our website or any of our social platforms. We'll have a link to it. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. And we are definitely rooting for you guys. It's amazing what you guys are doing. And as a Gen Zer, it's it's inspiring to see fellow Gen Zs doing um, amazing things. So, yeah. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great one. You too. Okay, you too. Bye. 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 Bye.